My name's Eric. I'm one of the pastors here at Crosspoint. I want to just welcome you here to our family service. And, excuse me, um, I I just want to help put your mind at ease for a second. Um, When we think about uh, family service, okay, right off the bat this morning, I know that that, uh, because it's a family service, it probably won't be as quiet in here as it normally is. And and I just want you to know that that's okay. Um, uh, I love kids, okay? I have two young kids of my own. We have one on the way due in April. And, uh, and I know how hard it can be, um, especially on a Sunday morning like this, when you, you, you're probably rushing to get your family together, and the weather's kind of turning nasty outside, and, um, and, and, uh, and then you have to come sit in here with your kids uh, who are young and don't really care what I'm saying, um, and, and, and you have to try and keep them quiet so that they're not uh, distracting other people, okay? Um, at the Christmas Eve service on Tuesday night, uh, my son was up here in the front row laying on the floor underneath the chairs, um, playing with his cars. And I chalked that up as a win, okay, um, because he was uh, being relatively quiet. He wasn't really bothering anybody else, and um, I could see him. So um, for those of you that are, are worried about this morning uh, being here with your kids and, and you're dreading the next half hour or so uh, uh, of time, and you brought like an arsenal of, of the new Christmas toys with you, right? To just like bribe 30 minutes of, of quiet time out of your kid. If you're worried about keeping them in the same row, let alone the same chair, let me just set you free from that right now, okay? It's okay. It's okay. I promise you that I can talk louder than your child, okay? And, uh, and Nick's in control of the sound back there, so um, if I need help, then he can help me. Um, and, if, and for those of you that, that don't have kids or um, you're worried about... Uh, being distracted, can I just gently push a little on you and say, um, you probably had children like that at one point, or uh, chances are you were a child like that at one point, right? So, so can we just together, can we just kind of breathe, breathe a, a sigh of relief and just go, okay, yeah, yeah, it's good, right? It feels good, right? It, uh, I don't want us to dread family services. That's not the point. The point is to come together and worship God together as a family. That's biblical, very biblical. And so this morning, I just want to kind of start off with that and, and just, and just um, talk about it so that we don't have to kind of think, uh, it's here, right? And, and nobody's really uh, aware of that, or, or everybody's aware of it, but nobody's acknowledging that. Okay, there's kids in here. Kids, kids make noise. Some of you will make noise, okay? Um, what I want to do this morning, and, and um, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best to uh, keep everyone in here engaged. If they're, uh, if they're three years old or, or if you're 83 years old, okay, um, there's going to be a couple opportunities for the kids to stand up and make some noise in here without getting in trouble for it, okay? Um, and... Uh, but if you feel like, um, like that's not enough opportunity for them to burn off some energy, um, the family room is open back there. and You can take them back there and let them run around a little bit. You can shut those doors behind you. It's fine. Um, the sound system's on back there, so you won't miss any of the message. And, and let me just give you permission this morning that if you just want to like throw in the towel and, and you just realize that you need to... to Um, be a parent to your child, and you need to spend time with them, and you need to um, focus on them this morning more than you do me, I'm okay with that. Um, You you can listen to the podcast later, right? 
And, and so um, I always like to tell people that your family is your first ministry, and that's, that's true, uh, other than your ministry with God and your relationship with Him. But, but your ministry is to your family first, and so I don't want to step in the way of that for you. Okay? I want to encourage you. I want to help you this morning help your child encounter and engage the living, breathing uh, God. Amen? And so um, just because we don't have sun chasers this morning doesn't mean our little kids won't have church, right? And, and that also doesn't mean that they have to be uh, the reason that you come and, and you can't engage in church either. Um, Mark ten fourteen says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And so instead of focusing more on keeping them from being a distraction so that you don't miss out, so that we don't miss out, or your neighbor doesn't miss out, let's do our best together to engage our children this morning in what's going on and to keep them, uh, uh, and to keep from being a distraction to them. Instead of just shouting, uh, or not shouting, right, because we want to keep it quiet in here, right? But, but instead of like elbowing them or pinching them or you know, doing that kind of thing. Um, it, it, man, just point them to God. Let, let's, let's bring them to God together, okay? There's going to be opportunities for you to, to listen together with your children, to engage with your children. And then what I want you to do is take this home with you. When you get in the car, I want you to focus on the road because it sounds like it's getting icy out there. But, but I, I want you to, to, um, to talk about the things that you learned together with your children. You'd be amazed if you've never asked uh, your three-year-old son or, or daughter, um, what they know about God. I learn things from my kids all the time. So let's not count them out in today's service, okay? Can we just, can we agree on that together? Let's, let's be about the family service. Let's be about the glory of God together as a family, as a large body of Christ, young and old. Amen? Um, now, that being said, if you're an adult in here, this would be a really good time for you to turn your cell phone off, okay, or put it on vibrate, um, because there really is no excuse for you to interrupt. I'm just kidding. But seriously, do it, okay? Um, I really do have a main message to get to this morning, um, but I, do, I have one more announcement um, uh, for the guys in here, for the men in here, and, uh, and I know how easily distracted that guys get, and, um, so here's a video. There's room every day in every life to demonstrate courage. And courage is the ability to do the hard thing in every circumstance, despite the cost. The number one response I get, I've never done anything courageous. men the most is when they don't have a vision that calls them forth. The guy who's a husband, the guy who's a worker, the guy who's a father, the guy who's single, you are the glory of God. If you don't step up, you're going to fall down. All right, here's a quick synopsis of uh, this event. This, this is going to be hosted by Crosspoint here uh, on Saturday, February 1st. I'll give you some more details here in a minute. But um, here's a quick synopsis of this event from the Stepping Up website. <clears throat> it says, if there was ever a time when men needed vision for what it means to be a man, this is it. 
And stepping up can help make it happen. Imagine if we could call every man to become courageous leaders in their homes, in their own lives, in their marriages, churches, and communities. The Stepping Up video event is designed to do just that. Dennis Rainey hosts a video-led sessions uh, that focus on defining manhood, living courageously, building a, a life of faith, and stepping up to lead. Additionally, some of America's top pastors and men, uh, men's ministry leaders lend expertise and insight through the engaging video sessions that also include dramatic vignettes uh, and man-on-the-street interviews. Now, I'm not sure that vignettes is the, is the manliest word that they could have used there. Um, sounds kind of like a small pastry to me, but, um, but nonetheless, okay, this, this, this event... Uh, is it, it, going to be a great opportunity for any man here to attend and, and, and to bring your friends to, okay? Um, it's going to be held here at Crosspoint, like I said, February 1st from 7.30 to 4, 7.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. It's being hosted by our Saturday morning men's group. Um, it'll cost you 10 bucks and about eight and a half hours of your time, but it's a great way to get some time together with other men uh, and talk about what it means to be a man who pursues Jesus together, okay? $10 will get you donuts, coffee, lunch, um, a book, and then uh, entry into uh, door prizes. And you'll leave with some great resources and hopefully some deeper relationships. Um, you can register online by going to the Crosspoint website. Click on the Stepping Up link in the main banner there on the homepage. Um, and if you have any questions, you can talk to Micah Williamson. He's running the uh, computer back there today. So you can talk to him after the service. <clears throat> All right. Um, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Um, I want to pray, and then we're going to dive into this. God, thanks for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for the truth uh, of your word. Thank you. Um, thanks for the, the, the leadership of the worship team this morning, um, for directing us, not to them, but to you. And uh, God, I, I, I want everything that comes out of my mouth to be glorifying to you. And so I pray that if there's anything that I'm about to say today the, that doesn't do that, that you would just shut my mouth. And that you, um, you would receive all the glory and honor and praise that's due you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Luke chapter 2. I'm going to warn you ahead of time, too. We're going to go through a lot of scripture today. And I don't want that to be um, uh, this daunting thing. I don't want it to be uh, uh, something that's, um, that causes like, anxiety in you. And so I, I didn't put a, a lot of it up on, the, on the, uh, uh, the screen today. I just want you to kind of listen to it. Um, I didn't want to to make uh, Micah have to try and keep up on the PowerPoint, okay? Um, so if you're the note-taking type, you, I will give you the references. You can jot down the references, look them up later. Um, and, it, and if you just can't keep up, I don't want you to, to focus on uh, where this is and what, I want you to hear what it says, okay? And, and so, um, like I said, the podcast, you can go back and listen to that and get your references later. And I encourage you to do so and study these together with your family, with your friends, um, for more, but for now, we'll just hang out in Luke chapter 2, okay? We just wrapped up a four-part Christmas series called All Creation Sings, um, where we took uh, a line or two from different Christmas carols and then used that as sort of a springboard to talk about uh, the Christmas story um, from the scriptures. And, and, and while today's message is technically a standalone message, it's not part of that series, I think it's fitting that, that as we come out of this series, uh, this Christmas series, um, that, uh, that we talk about what we're going to talk about today because I want to take a closer look at the Christmas story uh, here in Luke chapter 2, and I want to focus specifically on what the angels say in verse 14, okay? And this is the basis for several Christmas carols that we have. 
Um, but I want to start with verse 8 so that we can kind of get the context around it. And so you can follow along with me as I read it. <clears throat> this one will be up on the screen. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And right before this part of the Christmas story, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, was born. Okay, and now an angel is charged with uh, spreading the word. And so he appears to a group of shepherds nearby to tell them the good news. And then suddenly there's not just one angel, but a heavenly host of angels, it says. Uh, other translations say a great multitude of angels. And they're all praising God for what happened a short distance away in a manger, okay? Now, have you ever stopped long enough to, to just even try and contemplate the, the, the sheer number of angels that appeared that night? To those shepherds and lifted their voices up to God in praise. This was no silent night, okay? This was no silent night. We're not just talking about uh, two, three or four angels here. We're talking, we're not even talking about like a football stadium's worth of, of angels, okay? And we know how loud a football stadium can be. We're talking about a heavenly host, a sky full of angels. Can you just picture that for a second? I mean, look up, look outside. A sky full of angels. The sky's literally opened up and there's angels everywhere. And all of a sudden, they say, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to men on whom his favor rests. I'm pretty sure that if we could wrap our minds around the magnitude of the sound that came from the sky full of angels that night, that we'd look at this part of the story differently. Okay? And I'm sure that we can't fully grasp that. I, I, I don't think that we can comprehend that kind of noise, but I really want to try, okay? And so kids, where are you at? Raise your hand, kids. Hey, all right, you're listening. Awesome. Okay, I want you guys to stand up, the kids. Kids, you can stand up, okay? I want you to help me with something. I want you to help me, uh, and, and you get to be as loud as you want, okay? So if mommy and daddy look at you like this, you say, Pastor Eric said I could be loud, Okay? You can be as loud as you want, and here's what I need your help with. I'm going to count to three, and parents, uh, adults, you can do this too, okay? The louder, the better. I'm going to count to three, and I want you to say, as loud as you can, I want you to say, glory to God in the highest, okay? Are you ready? One, two, three. Glory to God in the highest. Let's do it one more time. One, two, three. Glory to God in the highest. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, adults? That was pretty weak sauce, okay? I heard like three of you. Um, is that really how you feel about shouting glory to God? Okay? I, I, I mean, let, let's be honest for a second. Um, there are some of you in here that will be shouting louder at your TV screen uh, in a few hours at the Bears and Packers game, right? Then you just did. Then you just did. That's not. Just, look, no, I, I, I want. I want to be straight with you. Okay. This. This is. It's not just some 
something that we just said. It's not just some little exercise for the kids. That was legitimately an opportunity to praise God. Amen? Okay? And, and I'll admit that I set you up for that one a little bit. Okay? But I did it to help make a point. Um, Mark 10, 15 says, says, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. How'd you do on that one compared to your kids? Okay? Matthew 10, 32 and 33 says, Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever uh, disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Now, I'm not saying you just disowned God. But I want us to grab hold of the truth here that, that listen, I think sometimes that, that we care more about what other people around us think than what God thinks. And here's my point. I don't think that we, and I'm including myself here, I don't think that we uh, are keenly aware of, uh, of God's glory often enough. I don't think that we're about God's glory the way God wants us to be about his glory. We're not always about God's glory, are we? We just proved that, right? We're not always about God's glory. How often do we overlook opportunities to give God the glory that he's due? The irony is that it's almost... Uh, the easiest to do at Christmas time. Now, we say things like, let's keep Christ in Christmas or Merry Christmas, where you have the, the Christ in all capitals, right? Or Jesus is the reason for the season. But I wonder if we really uh, stop and take the time to think about why we say those things. Is it because we're truly out to glorify God? Or is it really more because we want recognition for keeping Christ in Christmas? There's a difference there. It's subtle, but it's so important that we get this contrast that we understand that. Christ's birth is a pivotal moment in history. It's the moment God himself put on human flesh so that he could later die for our sins. But there's a danger here that we need to be careful to avoid when we think about the Christmas story, and that danger is when we start to put ourselves in the center of it. Okay? Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, for unto us a child is born. While it's true that Christ came for us, we are not the focal point. Christ came for us so that God would be glorified. The last thing that came out of the angels' mouths in Luke chapter 2 wasn't the good news that they told to the shepherds. It was praise and glory to God the Father. You see, God has always been and will always be about his own glory. Always. From beginning to end, the Bible is about God and his glory, not ours. We are not the focus it's not about us. It's about God. Let me give you some examples. Isaiah 43, 7. Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. Every human being on the planet was created for God's glory. Some will glorify him willingly, and others uh, will be forced to glorify him. And, and I want to talk more about that, but I want to keep going for a minute. Okay, we'll come back to that thought later. Psalm 108, 5. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Psalm 113.4, the Lord is exalted over all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Habakkuk 2.14, for as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. I don't know if you've been to the sea lately, but there's water everywhere. Okay? It's all over the place. So the, what Habakkuk 2.14 says here is that in the same way that water fills the sea everywhere from, from corner to corner, the knowledge of God's glory will fill the earth. It's going to pour into this, this place. And there will be no one or nothing anywhere that doesn't know of it. 
Okay, Joel 2.27, then you will know that I am among my people Israel, that I am the Lord your God and there is no other. Never again will my people be disgraced. Exodus 15.11, who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders. 2 Samuel 7.22, for this reason you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you and there is no God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. Psalm 86, 8 through 10, There is no one like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and they will glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous deeds. You alone are God. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. And we could go on and on and on like this. The theme of God's glory appears about 275 times in various uh, English translations of the Bible, over 50 times in the Psalms alone. Okay, it's a mega theme in the Bible. I would say it's the most important theme in the Bible. You want to know what the Bible has to say about us? About mankind? Okay. I'm just going to read a few passages here for you. Isaiah 2.22. Stop trusting in mere humans who have but a breath in their nostrils. Why hold them in esteem? Psalm 146.3. Do not trust in princes, in mortal man in whom there is no salvation. Jeremiah 17.5. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes his flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Isaiah 40.15 and 17. Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Before him, all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. Now, it's starting to sound like God doesn't really care about us, isn't it? But that's not, that's not true. It's not true at all. Okay? God loves us so deeply uh, so passionately that he gave up. He sent his one and only son to die for you and me. But his greater purpose in doing so was for his own glory. You know what the chief end of man is? Have you ever heard of the catechism? Okay, uh, the, the chief end of man, what our life's purpose is? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Have you ever thought about what the chief end of God is? What's the chief end of God? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The chief end of God is to, is to glorify God and enjoy his glory forever. God's highest commitment is to himself and not to us. It's important that we understand that because there are many people that are willing to be God-centered as long as they uh, believe that, that God is man-centered. Okay? As long as they feel that God is man-centered. But we're not always aware of that mindset. It's not like we're, we're always saying, all right, God, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine, right? We can easily deceive ourselves into thinking that we are God-centered, but, but deep down we've, we've convinced uh, ourselves that God is man-centered, and, and in doing that, all we've done really is make him a means of self-esteem for us. And I think this is one of the main reasons that we end up making Jesus our Savior but not our Lord. Why we make him a part of our lives instead of making him our life. There are few that are willing to be God-centered truly because God himself is God-centered. 
But if we can begin to understand that God's highest commitment is to himself and not to us, then it will change the way that we view the gospel. We will see it for what it truly is, one big declaration of the glory of God. God makes it very, very clear that he performs salvation, not for our sake, but for his own sake, for his own name. Ezekiel 36, 22 and 23, and then verse 32. Therefore say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says, it is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name that you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I proved holy, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. I want you to know that I am not doing this for your sake, declares the sovereign Lord. Be ashamed and disgraced for your conduct, people of Israel. Isaiah 43, 10 and 11. Excuse me. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord. And besides me, there is no Savior. Isaiah 45, 21 and 22. There is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none besides me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. Why did Christ come? Romans 15, 8 and 9. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised, that's the Jews, to show God's truthfulness and in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs to fulfill all the prophecies and in order that the Gentiles, that's us, might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. Why did Jesus willingly give up his life for us? John 12, 27 to 28, for, for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Christ lived a perfect life and he died a perfect death to glorify God the Father and repair all the defamation, all the profanity that we created, that we gave God uh, in his name through our sin. See, the foundation of the gospel is not our salvation. It's God's glory. But this doesn't make the message of the gospel any less good news for us. In fact, it makes it better news, okay? But to understand why it's better news, we need to first bring clarity to something else. 1 John 4 tells us that God is love, okay? And, and then in, first, or in John 15, 13, we're told that, um, that uh, there's no greater love uh, that, uh, that, that man has for one another that, uh, uh, that he dies, sorry, there's, there's no greater display of love than when a man lays down his life for another, okay? And, and so in love, uh, in its highest form, is self-sacrificial. Love in its highest form is self-sacrificial. And yet it seems pretty self-centered of God uh, for his greatest agenda to be to glorify himself in, above all things, doesn't it? And so how can he be completely self-sacrificial and completely self-centered at the same time? The answer is... It's actually a simple one. Um, he's God. Okay? He's in a category all his own. You and I were humans. An oak is a tree. An alligator is a reptile. Bacon is a delicious food. Okay? Gabriel is an angel. Satan is a demon. But only God is God. Very clear on that. I alone am God. There is no other. Only God fits into that category. He's the creator and sustainer of everything. To him, there is no equal. 
So when we exalt ourselves, it's the sin of pride. But when God exalts himself, it's not sin. Because if it were, then he wouldn't be God. Instead, God's exaltation of himself is, is a display of his glory. God is the one being in all of creation uh, for whom the most loving act is self-exaltation because only he can satisfy us. And we won't be fully satisfied until we know that there is nothing and no one greater than he is. The greatest display of his self-exalting glory comes through the greatest display of his self-sacrificial love, the death and the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, for our salvation. Jesus is the glory of God in all its fullness. John 1.14, the word became flesh and made it his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Colossians 1.19 and 20, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, talking about Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Christ loved us, and he died for us. But he did so in order that we might live for him and bring him glory. God pursues his glory through our salvation, and this is the most loving thing that he could do. John Piper puts it this way. He says, Why does God remind us over and over that he makes much of us in a way that is designed to ultimately make much of him? The answer is this. Loving us this way is the greater love. God's love for us that makes much of us for his glory is a greater love than if he ended by making us our greatest treasure rather than himself. Making himself our end is a greater love than making us his end. The reason this is greater love is that self, no matter how glorified by God, that's Romans 8.30, will never satisfy a heart that is made for God. God loves us infinitely. He sent his son to die that, that he might have us and that we might have him. That's 1 Peter 3.18. He will not let us settle for wonderful and happy thoughts of self, not even a glorified self. He will not let our glory, which he himself creates and delights in, replace his glory as our supreme treasure. You are a precious gift to God. And the greatest gift that he has for you is to not let your preciousness become your God. God will be your God. God alone forever. And this is infinite love. This is how he makes much of you. Listen to Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace that he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom from, uh, with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered us his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose, in, chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that the Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. 
And now you Gentiles, again, that's us, have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased uh, us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. There is no doubt that God takes pleasure in making much of us, but his higher purpose in doing so is that we would make much of him. In Luke chapter 2, the angels revealed the purpose of the gospel message. You see, we get the Savior, God gets the glory. We get great joy and peace, God gets great praise. And in Ephesians 1.13, we see that along with joy and peace, that every believer is also given the Holy Spirit. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to help me uh, sin less and less and to live rightly before God. But, but the primary role, the, 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 the main uh, uh, passion of the Holy Spirit, the foremost role of the Holy Spirit is to burn deeply in you and me as believers in Christ, Okay? to burn deeply in us what has been burning deeply in him for all eternity. And that's God's love for God. Do you know that? Do you know that the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you is, is just on fire with love for God? My son just said, on fire. <laughs> you see... As believers, we love God's glory because the spirit inside us uh, loves God's glory, loves the glory of God. And when we are first and foremost about God's glory, then we'll naturally sin less and less and, and live rightly before God. That's a byproduct. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 and 19 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. See, God's will for us and the Spirit's desire in us is to glorify the Father because of the Son. And when we don't do that, then we quench that burning desire. We, we, we put out, we put water on the flame, okay, of the, of the Spirit inside us to do that. But listen, our job is not to produce glory for God. I want to be clear on that. 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us that all, we, uh, all who are in Christ... Uh, will simply see and reflect his glory. Now, um, I, wanna, I want to, uh, to illustrate this for a second, so I need a couple hype students to come up here and help me, okay? I don't care who, just come on. All right, way to go. Way to step up, man. Okay, uh, why don't you guys grab those two flashlights? All right, I have a mirror here. Some of you need to use it. I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. Just wanted to make sure you were still awake. If you're visiting, you're like, I'm never coming back to this church. <laughs> I'm seriously kidding, okay? I had to look in it like several times today. All right, um, don't, don't turn on the lights yet. Or actually, you can turn off those lights and uh, don't turn on your flashlights yet. Now, this is a mirror, okay? Is this mirror giving off light on its own? Is there any light coming from this mirror? No, right? Okay, by itself, it produces no light. Now, turn your flashlights on. Okay, you shine them in the mirror. Now, do you see light in this mirror now? Some of you, yes. Okay, and what happens if I wave it around? Especially you that are going like this. Right? Where, where, where's the light now? It's out there on you. Where's that light coming from? Is it coming from the mirror? It's still coming from the flashlights, isn't it? Right? 
All right, thanks guys, you can have, have a seat. Let's give him a hand. Um, in the same way, in the same way that the mirror itself does not produce any light, uh, we can't produce any glory. And, and, and uh, in a similar way, God's glory, that, that the light only comes from the flashlight, God's glory only comes from God. Um, and, the, and the light from the, from the flashlight, it's being reflected off the mirror. It's also being seen in the mirror. And so the glory of God comes only from God, but it shines on us and in us through Christ. And then we reflect that glory to others through the Holy Spirit that God gave us, okay? Uh, think of it this way, too. Here's another way to look at it. Think of the moon. Does the moon produce light on its own? No, right? It simply reflects the light of the sun. And, and really all the moon has to do is just kind of be there, right? And the sun, the sun takes care of the rest. And, and yet uh, when a full moon is out, man, it lights up the night sky, doesn't it? Okay? It's the same way with us. We can't produce our own glory, but we can see it. It can be seen in us uh, and reflected by us uh, from God himself. Um, you and I, were fragile mirrors, okay? We're weak vessels prone to sin. We have good intentions, but we fall short of them more often than not. Isn't it a relief then to know that God doesn't expect any glory from us? Doesn't that, doesn't that free you? God is the only one truly capable of glorifying God, and so he's made himself the only one responsible to do it. In fact, God is so ferociously about his own glory that even the faith to believe in him is given by him to us as a gift. That's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. We're saved by God's grace through his work, through his gift of faith, and it's also by God's grace that, that causes us to grow and be more like him. Hebrews 12, 2 tells us that Jesus is both the author and the perfecter of our, of our faith. We're not. We're not the author. We're not the perfecter. That's Christ's job. He begins it in us and he finishes it in us. We literally have no role to play in our own salvation except to simply be available to receive it as a gift from God and daily submit ourselves in surrender completely to his will. Now, right now, some of you are thinking, uh, it sounds like I really don't have a choice. What about free will? Okay, you're right. You don't have a choice, but you can still choose. And I want to explain what I mean by that. Earlier in the message, I said that every human being is created to glorify God. And God made this promise in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 23. He said to me, every knee, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall swear allegiance. And we're reminded of that promise again in Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. This is talking about Christ. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Apostle John gets a glimpse of what this is going to look like in Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. He says, Then I looked and I heard a voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000. Maybe that helps you get a better picture of what happened in Luke 2. They encircled the throne and the living creatures uh, and the elders, and in a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. 
And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that's in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and they worshiped. Kids, need your help one more time. Okay, stand up with me. You got this. Okay? Adults, you can do this too. The louder the better. When I count to three, I want you to shout, praise and honor and glory and power forever. Okay? Praise and honor and glory and power forever. All right? Ready? One, two, three. Praise and honor and glory and power forever. One more time. One, two, three. Praise and honor and glory and power forever. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Now, listen, are you fully aware that one day those words will come out of your mouth whether you want them to or not? One day your knee will bow and your tongue will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You will glorify him. You do not have a choice. You will bow. It will happen. But you can choose whether you'll bow willingly or you'll be made to bow. It will be one or the other. God will have his glory from you. He's declared it, and what God declares always comes true. The only way to willingly bow then is to willingly bow now. Submit yourself completely and totally to God and his work in your life. Understand that it's only through his work that you're saved and it's only through his work that you'll be transformed to be like him. Philippians 2.13 says that it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. The only way to truly glorify God is to submit completely to God and his work in you. And the good news of the gospel is that because it's God who works in us to will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose, that means he's not after our begrudging obedience, okay? Instead, he's after our deepest joy. Heaven isn't a place for people who don't want to go to hell. Heaven is a place for people who love God. There's a difference. And isn't it fitting for a God whose glory is best displayed in his ultimate love for us to design it so that our highest satisfaction is found ultimately in our love for him. Psalm, one, uh, Psalm 16, 11 says, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let's take one last look at Luke two fourteen. It says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Glorifying God with your life brings you peace. God's favor rests on those who bring him glory. It says it right there. Okay? His favor does not rest on those who seek to glorify themselves. If you seek to glorify yourself, you will not have peace. That's the, that's the cold, hard truth. Okay? There's only one way that everything works correctly. That's the way that God designed it. And the way he designed it is that he gets the glory every time. Having God's favor rest on you, though, doesn't mean uh, that your life will always be free of pain and hardship. But listen, if you make the glory of God your highest priority, your highest goal in life, then the pain of your circumstances will never outweigh your joy. And, and the hardships that you go through will never outweigh the peace that you have 
in the Father who loves you. Now, some of you know this truth intimately. Many of you in here have walked through something very difficult in your life, and God's grace and glory is so evident in your grieving. Can I just say thank you for giving us uh, an example of what it looks like to make God's glory your highest priority no matter what the cost? Because I know that it's come at great cost to you. And I pray that, that, that even in my own life that I can follow your example and honor the Father through whatever happens, whatever he decides to allow in my life. The highest, the best, the final good in the good news of the gospel is not our salvation. It's God himself. The wrath of God is our greatest threat. And we're all sentenced to it because we're all sinners. Without the death of Jesus and without uh, faith in Jesus, God's wrath is not satisfied uh, for our sin, and it won't be until it's finalized on you and me. But when we put our faith in Jesus, then his death is now applied to, to us as, as punishment for our sin, and his resurrection serves as proof that God has accepted his payment, the sacrifice uh, for us. In Jesus, we have right standing with, with God. Uh, it's called justification by faith. We have forgiveness of sins in Jesus We have the removal of God's wrath. We have redemption from guilt and freedom from slavery to sin. We are saved from hell. We have eternal life in heaven, and we have peace and joy in the midst of pain and hardships. But above all those things, we have God himself. So the question is, how badly do you want God? Is he your greatest treasure? Or do you merely want all the side benefits that come with Christ's death and resurrection? Are you God-centered because God is God-centered? Or are you God-centered because you think that God is man-centered? Will you bow to him willingly now? Or will your stubbornness cause him to force your knee to bow to him later? If you're a Christ follower in here, can I just charge you with something this morning? Be about God's glory as much as you can. You won't always get it right because you still have sin in your life and I won't always get it right because I still have sin in my life. But could we agree together and encourage one another in this that that God will be uh, glorified through us no matter what the cost? What a great way to wrap up the year and to start a new year with that in our mindset. Don't let anything else fill your your, um, New Year's resolutions list that you're just gonna drop, Right? Let's be honest. Be about God's glory. It's the greatest thing that we can pursue, not for ourselves, but for him. And if you're in here this morning and you don't have Christ, allow me to just remind you of the truth that you will not have peace without him. You just won't. Nothing will satisfy you except for God. You'll, you'll crave more and more of whatever it is that you're craving now or, or you'll, you'll let go of that thing and you'll crave something new and that won't satisfy you. The only one, the only thing that can satisfy you is God. And so without him, you won't have peace. So think about your life right now. Are you, are you in a place of peace? Is there turmoil going on? Where's your hope? But I do want to offer this to you this morning, that you can 
have God today. You can have him this morning. You can heed his call in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22, when he says, turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth. That's in, that includes you. He's calling you. He says, for I am God and there is no other. What great peace, what great joy we have to know that there is a heavenly father who is supreme over all things, who sent his son to die for us, that we might recognize who he is and give him glory and praise for that. Amen? Submit yourself willingly now to Christ so that you can receive the treasure of highest value, and that's God himself. He is the gospel. To him be the glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of being able to just shout your name this morning, to declare the greatness of our Father in heaven, to declare the wonders of, of, of who you are, to magnify your name, to glorify you, to give you everything that, that's about you and, 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 uh, and due to you, God. Pray that you have received that with joy this morning. And it's been pleasing to your ear. I pray, God, that, that anyone in here that's wrestling with you, that, that has made you in, into something that you uh, were, never were and, never, and, and, and just aren't, that you're not man-centered, you're God-centered. I pray that that would sit so uh, deeply inside us through the Holy Spirit. And I pray that if there's somebody in here that doesn't have the Holy Spirit yet because they, uh, their, their eyes are still veiled, their heart is still hardened, towards you, that uh, the only thing that's going to change that is a glimpse of your glory through Jesus Christ. And so I pray, God, that, that he would open their eyes this morning and that he would open their hearts this morning, that you would draw us to yourself, that you would alone would do the work that only you can do, and that you would penetrate even the, the, the hardest heart in here this morning, and that we would know that you are God alone. There is no other. We give you glory. We give you praise. We give you honor. You're the only one that's worthy of it. So I just want to finish by quoting Jude, verses 24 and 25. What a great prayer this is. Now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his presence glorious presence without a single fault, all glory to him who alone is God, our Savior through Christ Jesus our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time, in the present, and beyond all time. Amen and amen. Amen? God bless you guys. Meet somebody new before you leave. If you have any questions or you want to talk about anything, um, I'd love to talk with you. Or come find the member of the prayer response team that will be up here. But uh, God bless.